Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Martin Cohen, and today we're going to study material that appears on page 69 in Tractate Pesachim. Before we review the Gemara that I want to teach you, we first have to review a Mishnah that appeared much earlier on page 66 in the Gemara. In that Mishnah, the first Mishnah in chapter 6 of the Tractate, the rabbis tried to figure out the exact relationship between Pesach and Shabbat, and particularly when Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat, and the obligation to sacrifice the Korban Pesach therefore either does or does not override the various restrictions of work that would normally pertain on Shabbat. Layered over that is the fact that the sacrificial system in the Beit HaMikdash in Jerusalem, uh, generally speaking, did override the laws of Shabbat observance, because it was deemed much more important for the sacrifices that unified the Jewish people in the worship of God to take precedence over the resting of individual Jewish people in the normal way that Jewish people observe Shabbat. And there in the Mishnah, we have a general principle at the end of the Mishnah as follows. Klal Amar Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva tried to create a general principle that would organize this, these ideas in people's minds. And he said, Kol Shabbat, dochata Shabbat. Shabbat, dochata Shabbat. He said that any type of normally forbidden work normally forbidden work on Shabbat, that could be performed before the Sabbath, then that does not override Shabbat. In other words, anything that could be done on Friday should be done on Friday, and if it wasn't done, then one cannot simply invoke the fact that that it's Erev Pesach to justify it being done anyway in the Beit HaMikdash. Slaughter, for instance, obviously a sacrificial animal cannot be slaughtered in advance, its carcass would just rot on the ground. So therefore, uh, since shechitas and slaughter cannot be done in advance, slaughter, which would normally be forbidden on Shabbat, overrides Shabbat when Erev Pesach falls on Saturday. So much the Mishnah. And now the Gemara, towards the bottom of page 69b, responds to that Mishnah as follows. Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav, Halacha Rabbi Akiva. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, the Halacha follows Rabbi Akiva, and therefore any any type of work in the that involved in the Korban Pesach that could be performed before Shabbat began, the performance of that act does not override Shabbat. And then the Gemara goes on and notes that there is a parallel to that idea. Utna nami gabe milah ki hai gavna. And this principle could also be applied to Brit Milah. Brit Milah also overrides Shabbat in some sense when a baby is born on Saturday, and the natural day for his Brit Milah would then be the following Shabbat. Here's the text. Klal Amar Rabbi Akiva, Kom Lacha Shev of Shabbat, Eina Dochata Shabbat. Milah She'yev Shalasatamer of Shabbat, Dochata Shabbat. It means the same thing. Any type of work, called by its technical name here, melacha, 
that can be performed before Shabbat does not override Shabbat, but the Mila itself, the actual act of circumcision, which cannot be performed before Shabbat, among other reasons, because the baby isn't eight days old until Shabbat begins, then that does override Shabbat. And in the regard to that, uh, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, Halacha Rabbi Akiva. The Halacha is in accordance with Rabbi Akiva, just as uh, Rav taught with respect to the, the analogous law that pertains when Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat. And now the Gemara wonders why Rav had to say that with respect to both these these laws. But it has a good answer. Tzricha, it's necessary, the Gemara says. De'i ashme'inan gabe Pesach, hatam hu de mitzvah lo dachu Shabbat, mishum de lo nechutu alei ashloshes rebritot, alval milad nechutu alei ashloshes rebritot, ema lidchi, ve'i ashme'inan mila, Hatamhu de Machshire Mitzvah Lo Dahu Shabbat Deleka Karet Aval Pesach de Ika Karet Ema Lidhi Tsricha. That's a whole mouthful, but what it means is this. If Rav had only mentioned that the Halakha follows Rabbi Akiva with respect to the dispute about about the case of the Pesach offering when Arab Pesach falls on Shabbat, we might have thought that it's only there that the preliminary acts of the mitzvah do not override Shabbat because 13 separate covenants were not made over the Pesach, but over Milah, in which case the Torah repeats the word covenant 13 separate times in the chapter ordaining Brit Milah as the sign of the Brit, the covenant between Hashem and the Jewish people, in that chapter of Genesis, I would say that in that case it would override the Shabbat restrictions because of its, of its extraordinary importance. And the reverse is also true, though. If Rav had only mentioned the ruling with regard to Brit Milah, we might have thought that it is only with respect to Brit Milah that the preliminary acts of the mitzvah do not override Shabbat, because there's no penalty of karet, of excision, usually taken to mean death at the hands of heaven, for those who postpone circumcision. The reason for that is because somebody who uh, postpones Brit Milah after the eighth day when it should be performed, uh, can always perform the mitzvah by performing Brit Milah afterwards. But the Pesach, which can only be offered on Erev Pesach, and for which the Torah does ordain karet as the appropriate punishment, I would say that in a case that it's that extreme, where karet, where death at the, at the hands of heaven itself is the punishment for one who is tardy in the performance of the commandment, I would say that in that case, the preliminaries should override Shabbat, and therefore I would, but not in the case of Brit Milah, and in both of those cases I would be wrong. And therefore, Rav uh, took the trouble to teach us that the Halakha follows Rabbi Akiva, both in the case of the Korban Pesach, and also in the case of Brit Milah and Shabbat. The Halakha is at its most creative when it, when it has to deal with conflicting sets of values. In one case, where something as crucial as Pesach observance and something as crucial as Shabbat observance seem to conflict, and one has to decide which is going to take precedence over the other. Or uh, the case of Brit Milah, which is the very essence of Jewishness, the symbol of the covenant that binds the Jewish people and God, something like that, and Shabbat, which is so such a cornerstone of Jewish life, when they appear to, to coincide and that a decision has to be made which is going to override the other, that's when the halakha shows itself the most flexible and the most interesting. For modern people studying this passage, it would do well to, to behoove us to, to take into account the way these, these things stack up.
for most of us, Shabbat is the cornerstone of our Jewish lives. It's the way we, we organize our week. It's the way we, the time that we come together with other Jewish people for worship and for study. Many of us would say that there's nothing as crucial in our Jewish lives to us as the observance of Shabbat. And yet, when push comes to shove, the halachat uh, gives precedence both to Brit Milah and to the Korban Pesach. Brit Milah, I think most, of, most modern uh, readers would not find that surprising. But I think many readers would be surprised to know that the Korban Pesach, the Paschal offering itself, supersedes Shabbat observance in spe- with specific reference to those uh, acts involved in offering the sacrifice that cannot be done a day early. That means that in the eyes of the halakha, that there is almost nothing as sacred as the offering of the Korban Pesach. In our world where there's no mikdash, where there are no, there's no temple, there are no priests, there are no sacrifices, and there's no Korban Pesach, we have to bring that wistfulness, that sense of something crucial and profound that's missing from our Seder tables, that sense of absence in the moment that we consider a peak of our Jewish joy when we gather together at the Seder table, all of us who who gather together at that, at that table and who fail to, to feel viscerally and profoundly the absence of the Korban Pesach, I would say that the way to understand this Gemara is to learn that we are, that such people are missing a huge point in their Passover observance, one that should be revisited and rethought through. Thank you very much. Goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.